Hey, this is Mark Iskowitz. Rare diseases marketing has always been about serving underserved communities. But what if you're a company bringing a meaningful improvement to an already well-served orphan drug market? That's the situation BioChrist Pharmaceuticals is facing with its first product launch, and the debut has required it to rethink the approach to how rare diseases drugs are promoted. Approved last December, its medicine, Orlideo, is an oral once-daily therapy for hereditary angioedema, a rare genetic disease that can lead to unpredictable and potentially life-threatening swelling in various parts of the body. HAE, which affects about 1 in 50,000 people in the world, was already well-served by some pretty large players. But Orlideo is the first pill, whereas the incumbents are subcutaneous injections. So expectations for the drug were high. One analyst said Orlideo could grab a third of the preventive HAE market by the end of 2021. But something interesting is happening. On its recent third quarter earnings call, the company said it's raised its projections for Orlideo. The drug, which launched barely 12 months ago, has a real shot of not just earning a slice of the HAE prevention market, but of rocketing to the head of the pack and becoming the leader in the category. This week on the show, we'll talk with BioChrist's Chief Commercial Officer, Charlie Geyer, about the strategy behind the drug's impressive debut and how analytics are helping his company rethink the rare disease drug launch. Charlie, welcome to the MMN Podcast. Thanks, Mark. Great Absolutely. to be here. Absolutely. Great to have you. Uh, so many rare disease uh, therapeutic categories are underserved. HAE is unusual in that it has eight drugs on the market. When you were planning Orlideo's launch, say 12 to 18 months ago, were you saying to yourself, this isn't the typical rare disease launch? <laughs> You're right. Yeah, Orlideo became the eighth drug. And, and so we, we knew that we had to be really smart. Uh, we had to stand out. Because uh, you're right, this isn't the, the typical rare disease. It, this isn't about going out and finding the patients, at least in the U.S. market. It's a pretty mature marketplace. Most of the patients are diagnosed. There are a lot of great drugs on the market already. And so we had you know, we set out to, even though we're a small company, to be the smartest in the space, to really understand patients, to really understand the HAA treaters, and frankly, everything about the market. So because we knew we had a great drug, we just wanted to make sure that we could get out there and, and get started quickly. And so we've been preparing uh, with data and analytics for years, actually going back to 2015, doing some really big market research surveys with both patients and doctors, primary research, secondary research, all to prepare for achieving what we, we always knew could be a, a, you know, a great success. As we said during the intro, yours was the first oral medicine in a market of largely injectable products, most of which were effective at prevention, all of which presumes that physicians and HAE patients were currently satisfied with the available therapies. What was your analytical market research telling you might be the movable middle, so to speak? You know, what did you see that others may not have in terms of demand? Yeah, it, so Mark, what we really set out to do is, is understand who might want to switch uh, to the market. And as, as you were asking about the, and we talked about the mature marketplace, you know, we knew that at the time of launch, uh, already 60% of, of the patients in the marketplace were on one of these injectable prophylaxis products. The, the market had moved towards preventing attacks, which is, which is great for patients. And so what we really wanted to understand is, would those patients on these injectable prof prophylaxis products, would some of them switch? You know, these again, these are really good products. And so as we did our market research, we found in these in these big surveys, we found that patients actually were quite satisfied with those drugs. 
And it makes sense because if you think about the history of HAE, 10 or 15 years ago, most of these patients had nothing. You know, they were having these attacks. As you said up front, they're debilitating. They can be life-threatening. So patients, you know, were always living with that fear of an attack. It affected their lives. Um, you know, many of them had family members um, in the past who had, who had tragically died from this, this disease. So having effective therapy, what we found is there was an incredible amount of gratefulness uh, amongst patients. Grateful that the, you know, the market had evolved to this place. And frankly, gratefulness amongst the physicians too, that after years of struggling, they could get patients to a place where they were, were well taken care of. But then as we got into our surveys, as satisfied as people were, what we discovered is you know, patients were looking for what was next. And part of this is because of those seven previous products to launch over the last 10 or 15 years, patients had gotten, many of them had gotten used to moving from one product to the next, to, you know, what was the next thing to, to come out here? About two years ago, we did a big survey with 100 HAE patients in the United States. About 75 of those patients were on already on one of these injectable prophylaxis products. So for example, 30 of the patients were on Taxiro. Taxiro is a great drug. Of those 30 patients, 27 of the 30 said they were very satisfied with Taxiro, measured on a Likert scale from zero to, zero to 10. They measured at an eight, nine, or 10, really satisfied. But then when we showed them the profile of what would become Orlideo, half of them wanted to switch. They were very interested in, in switching over to Orlideo. And what this told us again is patients wanted something more and there was a real burden of treatment that many of them were dealing with. I won't say they were suffering from, but they were dealing with it on a daily basis. So it's like, I have to prepare my medicines. I have to remember to take it out of the refrigerator. I have to schedule the time to do that. You know, the, the injections aren't comfortable. Um, that wasn't the biggest barrier, but it's not something people like, but they would deal with. But the idea of having an oral drug to take away a lot of this just meant for many of them, they could envision living a more normal life. And that was what was so important to them. Sure. So it was that burden of care that they were just kind of dealing with and they were satisfied and they just felt like, okay, this is what we have to, to, to deal with in order to prevent uh, these attacks. And then Orlideo, you know, you know, came along and it has the edge when it comes to convenience, but not necessarily efficacy. How did you overcome that disadvantage? You know, it's, it's, there is that perception or there, there has been that perception that number one, oral drugs sometimes are perceived as less effective than injectables. And when we got the top line efficacy for oral Deo, it did look like maybe it wasn't, uh, didn't seem to be as effective as some of the other drugs. But when we got those top line data, we wondered, all right, so why are so many patients staying on this drug in clinical trials? They had other options. They could have dropped out. They could have gone to one of those injectable therapies. And so we dug into the clinical data more. And what we found is that separately from the top line efficacy, if you looked at how patients were doing compared to their baseline, these patients were going from a baseline attack of uh, attack rate of about three attacks per month, and they were getting down in the first six months of treatment down to one attack per month. So pretty significant for patients. And then if we looked at all the people who are really responding, 50% of the patients 
had a 70% or more reduction in their attacks. So really significant numbers just within the first six months. And that combined with the improvement in the, the burden of treatment and the ability to just take one pill a day was really significant to patients. And, and so we knew we had something that was actually more, more effective and, and certainly in the minds of patients, it was meeting their needs, which was what's most important. Yeah, right. Was the added convenience factored into your price? Can, can you say where you came in relative to the others? I, I can say that, you know, Orladeo is the least expensive uh, prophylactic product on the market. These are all expensive drugs. And so it's, you know, it's, it's still an expensive drug because we think it drives an incredible amount of value for patients in terms of preventing attacks and helping them, them live their lives. So it was a factor, but frankly, more the factor of it's the latest drug to hit the market. And what payers always told us is, we understand you've got an oral drug here. They expected us to try to charge a premium for that. We, we didn't, but they said, you know, we, we understand the value of prophylaxis and we'll reimburse for this product. And they're, they're widely reimbursing for Oladeo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that's great. Now, partnering closely with the patient community, like advocacy groups, online communities, etc., has long been a staple of orphan drug marketing. How did you get the word out to patients? You know, we've been working with the patient community going back over 10 years at Biocrist, and I have to say that in HAE, particularly for a, a really rare disease, the HAEA and the HAEI have got to be about the best patient organizations that I've ever seen in, in, in my career. So we're very fortunate to be coming into a space where there was already a really well-organized patient community, patient organization doing, doing, doing great things for them. Um, but as a company, uh, we've been going to their meetings, uh, the HAEA's patient summits that they do every two years, going back almost 10 years. And there's, there, it's actually kind of a, of almost a founding story around Biochrist. Um, our, our CEO, John Stonehouse, was at one of these meetings about a decade ago. And he talked about this vision of bringing an oral drug uh, to prevent attacks, you know, this vision of one pill a day to help prevent attacks. And the patients uh, were, were there in the, in the audience, and he always describes it as, you know, people kind of smiling, laughing, you know, sort of shaking their heads going, no way, no way, you know, that's, that's kind of our dream. And, and after that, he had the mother of a patient come up to him and say, you know, this is something that we've been waiting for. And you need, you need to go fast because we're waiting for this. And so it's, it's been something, those words of the patient have driven us all the way through this process. So since then, we, you know, we've partnered closely with the patient organization. Again, they do great work. And so we don't wanna duplicate work that they're doing for, for one thing. And they've been really helpful to us as we've done market research, for example, because they have the relationship with such a large base of patients. So they've been really helpful helping us recruit for our research studies, providing insights about the patient community and they were instrumental in, uh, in our clinical trials, and they've done this for all uh, clinical trials, helping get the word out about the trials and helping find patients to enroll in these clinical trials. Uh, so we, you know, honestly, we could not have done it without this organized and active patient community. 
So it sounds like patients wanted an oral therapy. On the other hand, research suggested that physicians were adequately managing their HAE patients with the available injectables. How did you balance that disconnect, if you will? I mean, so you're right again, and back to the point, physicians were grateful too. They'd gotten patients to this point and, and the great majority of their patients, they did feel like they're managing well and they, they, they were. Rather than, you know, how do we get physicians to understand the importance of an oral prophylactic patient, uh, medicine for patients? We start, rather than diving straight into the data, we start talking more about the burden, you know, and, and setting up the story about the burden of, of disease, showing physicians actually some of our research that nearly 100% of patients would prefer, if they could, to treat their, their disease with an oral medicine rather than an injectable. And then here's why. Here are all some of those burdens. It's not just about being afraid of needles. That's a very small part of the market. It's really more about, again, that preparation, the scheduling, the inability to travel without having refrigerated medicine along with them. All of these things added to, to, to patients' burden. So we get pa physicians readily agree to that. Then we show them the data, like I've described, the responder analysis, in addition to the fact that this is an oral, starts to change their mind about an oral disease. And then more recently, we've put out 96 week data from our clinical trial. And it, what it shows is that patients get down to an, basically an 80% reduction, sustained 80% reduction in attacks. With most months, half or more of the patients are attack free. And physicians have told us recently, you know, looking at these 96 week data, they're like, this, this really changes the story. So not every physician moves at the same pace. But what we're finding is if physicians have, pretty much all of them have at least one patient, sometimes many more, who they see as being right for Orladeo, they start with one, they see the good experience and it leads to more. We've had many physicians prescribe it for multiple patients within their practice. As that word starts to spread, we think more and more will do so. Uh, so it was really a data-driven approach. And I imagine your rivals uh, aren't sitting back here. Uh, you know, this is BioChrist's first offering in the HAE area. It's also the company's only marketed product. You're competing against Takeda, which has an entire HAE portfolio, including one of the current market-leading drugs. You, you all were the underdog. How did you compete against uh, these more established rivals? I mean, you're, you're right. Takeda is a, is a big company. They've got, uh, you know, historically, they've got the, the biggest portfolio. They have a relationship going back with patients and and physicians going back years. So a few things, back to my point, number one, we wanted to make sure that we were as smart as anybody. So we really understood the community really well. And, and I think we did that through our research and our preparations. We understood where all the prescribers, the treaters of HA were. Uh, so we had uh, really, you know, we spent a lot of time understanding how to build our sales team, how many people we needed. In a rare disease like this, it's not an arms race. You know, it's not about who's got the biggest sales force or anything else. You don't need massive teams. You just need really good teams. And that's the other thing that we did is we made sure we hired great people on the commercial side. While this may be Biochris' first launch, it's not the team's first launch. This, these are, this is a team that has launched multiple drugs in multiple companies across the board. 
And everyone who came here to Biochrist came here because they saw the ability to launch an oral drug into this space is really exciting. They wanted to do that. They wanted to be able to build Biochrist because Orlodeo is our first drug, but it won't be our last. And this idea of bringing oral drugs to rare diseases, building a company, helping patients is what really motivated them. And we got that team on early. So, you know, we made sure that our commercial team was in place um, well, about a year and a half before launch. Our sales team was in place six months before launch so they could go out and start profiling customers and, and establishing some of those relationships. So that by the time the drug was approved, they were ready to go and start promoting from, from day one and it's, it's paid off. Can you talk about how marketing analytics is used to uh, facilitate that process, um, to target your commercial efforts, uh, perhaps you know identifying which patients are, are relevant for therapy and, and kind of making sure you're making the most efficient use of your marketing spend? Yeah, absolutely. So we, our analytics team has done some great work over the years. One of the things that we did about three years ago is there'd always been this uh, number in the literature saying that the, the prevalence of, of HA is about one in 50,000. And it's one of those numbers, no one's ever quite sure where it came from, but you know, starts to be referenced. And so it became the truth, but we weren't satisfied with that. We wanted to know a little more clearly how many patients really are out there and who treats them. And so we did a really big third party claims analysis looking at diagnosis codes, looking at evidence of HA-specific therapies, looking at laboratory testing data, making sure that all of these data were repeated multiple times. So this wasn't just one kind of rule out patients, these were really HAE patients. And what we came up with is there are about 7,500 diagnosed and treated HAE patients in the US. Another part of that research that we got is who are the physicians who are treating those, those patients. So what the team found is there are about 500 physicians that treat about 50% of those diagnosed and treated HAE patients. And then a few thousand who kind of are the long tail of physicians who treat one or two of the patients at a time. But we really use this to focus our targeting, build our sales force, and then measuring results based on this. And I, I think that that's, that's part of the reason that we, we got out of the gate really quickly. And then on, on the marketing side, uh, what would you say your key message is? Um, and, and kind of what, can you speak to some of the channels that you're using to get that key message out, kind of how you're dif differentiating from standard of care? Yeah, so, it, you know, our message, again, is it's around, first of all, there's a, there's a burden of therapy that, that patients have. You know, patients should be on, pro, most patients should be on prophylaxis, but the injectables come with a, with a certain burden, as, as we've talked about. We talk about the efficacy and the safety of, of Orladeo and, and have a really balanced discussion around that and with increasing data, like the 96-week data that, that I described. And then a, a really important point of, around our marketing and kind of serving the patients that we heard prior to launch from both physicians and patients is the access process um, for to, to, to get approved from the insurers to get access to these uh, prophylaxis products in the past had been a real challenge. 
And so a lot of the patients and doctors were afraid, like, okay, I already got this other drug, it's approved, and now I don't want to ever, I want to be on an oral, but I don't want to switch because I'm afraid that I'll lose my insurance, I won't be able to get back, all those types of things. So we made sure that we built a program with our, our patient services uh, program. We have a sole source specialty pharmacy that does nothing but focuses on rare disease uh, patients like HAE patients. And the services that they and our market access team has, have provided have helped physicians and patients get access much more quickly than they expected. And so that becomes a big part of our marketing story too, which is we're gonna help you get access. We're gonna help the patients get access. We're gonna take a lot of the burden off of you. This is gonna go faster than you expected. And you're always gonna to get to talk with the same person when you go back, which is one of the complaints that they, they had. So from a, a patient need perspective, the, the product value that it's it's much more than just an oral, but it's it's about lowering the burden and it's about preventing attacks with just one pill a day. And then we're gonna help you get access without a burden. All of that together is what, what gives both patients and doctors confidence and, and is the core part of our story. Great, great. Okay, uh, was was this a unique case study? Would you say, or do you do your learnings from the launch of Orladeo suggest that the playbook has changed for marketing future rare disease therapies? I, I think for us, the playbook hasn't changed or won't change, and we we expect to launch uh, many. We have a pipeline coming behind Orladeo of other oral drugs for rare diseases, um, that, and we we expect to apply the, most of this playbook again and again and again. I think that the Orladeo launch, though, for others maybe is can be a lesson that uh, you, you know you, sh you should really look carefully at what the the market opportunity here is and really listen to patients. And so, if we had just if we had accepted a niche of patients who were either just those afraid of needles or just those dissatisfied with injectable drugs, our market opportunity would have been a fraction of what it was. But we, we, we knew we had a good product here. We heard it from the patients. We figured out how to position this product to the broad market. And that's what, what's leading to success. We, we weren't afraid to go after market leadership. And, and so I think maybe that's, that's the thing. Even in a crowded market, if you have a truly differentiated product, this is something that you can launch much more broadly than maybe conventional wisdom would suggest. Sure. And, and one last question for you, Charlie. You know, some may be thinking, how much of the success of this launch came down to fulfilling that unmet need, you know, for the oral uh, option, uh, you know, for an oral HAE formulation versus your skill as marketers? I think in, in the end, it's, it's always about first the unmet need. <laughs> the, the skill is just hearing the unmet need, even if it's not expressed always in so many words from patients or doctors. You know, we. This isn't about convincing people to want something that they don't didn't want. <laughs> it's it's to really listen and and maybe get patients and physicians to to realize that they wanted something that they didn't realize was possible. And and so sometimes you know I don't want to over dramatize this, but sometimes we say it's it's like 15 years ago. You know, did anyone want an iPhone? Our, our phones were at that point, they were small, they worked, you could call anybody, you got pretty good coverage, they weren't too expensive. 
Um, so could we have imagined an iPhone? Maybe not, but once the iPhone came out, it was clearly something that we all wanted, right? And, and, and thought we needed. It, so it's, it's really listening um, for the opportunity, not just the words that they say, but, but imagining what could be. And, and that the skill in marketing is, is, is putting that in front of them, uh, in front of the patients, in front of the doctors, and then and executing on that plan. As Steve Jobs famously said, getting people to want something they didn't know they wanted is, is the, whole, the whole thing, right? That's right. That's right. So now we know. Now we know in rare disease. So maybe that's, maybe that's, the, uh, th that's the change for the future, that this is, this is possible, even in crowded marketplaces, that oral drugs, you know, oral drugs are kind of a blast from the past in a way, you know. Um, but when you have really good oral drugs that, that, that address the, what's going on with the disease, they address the, the needs of the patient, there's a great opportunity for them in rare disease. Mm -hmm. Listen to what the market is telling you. Great. All right. Well, thank you for, uh, for joining me, Charlie. This was a really fascinating discussion. Thanks, Mark. I really did, enjoyed it. Absolutely.